The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and see what rock and roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan has for us today on the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's good. Uh, hey, listen, you know, Chris Rock couldn't figure out why uh, Will Smith was like walking at him on that stage, walking toward him. And then it hit him. Okay. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, that was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. But God bless Duff for bringing it every Friday without fail. Sometimes without laughs, but hey, they can't all be winners. But Duff is definitely a winner. We love you, Duff. Great guy. Great bass player and in a great rock and roll band. Excited to see uh, Guns N' Roses back on the road. They're headlining Welcome to Rockville on May 21st in uh, my old stomping grounds at Jacksonville, Florida. Then they head to Europe for the summer. Fozzie is on the road as well. We're at New Haven, Connecticut tonight at Toad's Place. I'm actually in the dressing room right now. I remember this... Uh, this venue, it's a famous venue, and it's where I have a, a DVD bootleg of Paul Stanley in 1989 here. All right, Toad's Place. Oh, yeah. Here we are at Toad's Place tonight, and then we are uh, hitting the uh, rest of the uh, kind of eastern seaboard here as we go to Portland, Maine at the Aura tomorrow night, which is a Friday. Hampton Beach, New Hampshire at Wally's. That's on Saturday night. That's a packed show. It's going to be amazing. Providence, Rhode Island at the Feet Ballroom on Sunday and Monday, making our grand return to New York City, the Gramercy Theater. We are having our gold record presentation for Judas. Yes, Judas went gold, and we're getting a a little ceremony there at the Gramercy. We're going to play a great Fozzie show and have a very historical night when we get presented with our very first gold album. Make sure you come check us out, FozzieRock.com, for all ticket information for the Gramercy and all the other gigs. There's about another 20 gigs coming up over the course of the next month and a half. And, of course, Fozzie's amazing VIP. Nothing like it. We do a mini show for you guys before the show, the big show, a mini, a mini show, five songs set just for our VIPs. We meet you, we greet you, we hang out, we do a Q&A. A bunch of fun stuff. Lots of cool things going on. Don't forget Boombox as well is coming out May 6th, Fozzie's new record. Lots of cool stuff going on. I Still Burn, the number one most added song on rock radio. I can't even stop telling you how cool it is to be in Fozzie right now and how much great stuff is going on. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information and also go to Chris Jericho cruise.com for all information on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Agency for Leaf Clover. We've got a great lineup of talent. Join us February 2nd, 2023. We're going to Grand Stirrup K our very own personal private island. It's a whole new experience on the Jericho Cruise. Come experience the vacation of a lifetime. 12 levels of cabins sold out. 
There are still some more available. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right, and today, legendary Abdul the Butcher is here on Talk is Jericho. He's 81 years old, still getting in the ring every now and then. Actually, even uh, cuts a promo on one of his students on the show, like the Jerry Springer show. It's pretty crazy. He's telling all kinds of amazing stories from his incredible career, including the ridiculous electric chair match from WCW, wrestling in Japan with Baba and Inoki and Hanson and Brody all over the world. And even more surprising, you hear how he traveled the world without knowing how to read and write. That's insane. Uh, That's actually a lot of the reason why he's on the show as well. Because he can't read or write, he hasn't been able to defend himself in court. He's trying to raise money for his legal fund. Uh, A couple of Abdullah's wrestling students and his caretaker started a GoFundMe for him. They're all on the show as well, Abdullah and his entourage, to explain the legal troubles that Abdullah's facing and to shed some light on the controversial lawsuit uh, that he's been facing for a few years. Uh, from a, uh, an indie wrestler saying that Abdullah gave him hepatitis C and ruined his career. Abdullah uh, denies the allegation. He's got his side of the story. So now Abdullah, who really has nothing after 60 years of entertaining at the highest of levels, and it's just amazing how um, all that stuff just goes away. It's just money, and it disappears if you don't have anything coming in. Abdullah basically has nothing. He's trying to keep a roof over his head and not be homeless. Uh, so if you can, donate to his GoFundMe. I know how much he'll appreciate the support. Just go to GoFundMe.com slash F slash help dash me dash two dash help dash Abdullah dash the dash butcher. I think if you just Google Abdullah the butcher GoFundMe, you'll find it. Uh, Feel free to donate whatever you can. Abdullah did a lot for your entertainment, for our entertainment, and he did a lot for... um, kind of the early days of the business as far as bringing a lot of prestige to the sport. So help him out if you can and help keep a roof over his head. All right. Abdul the Butcher tells us about his amazing life, his incredible legendary wrestling career, and the issues he's facing today right here, right now. Abdul the Butcher on Talk is Jericho. All right, so we uh, have the legendary Abdullah the Butcher here. This is actually pretty crazy, Abdullah. This is the first time that we've ever met on uh, on Zoom. We've never actually crossed paths before. Yes. Which is crazy because it's funny because you used to work for, um, for Tenru in WAR back in the 90s, and I had just left when Tenru brought you in. So we have a lot of mutual friends from that, but we never actually met. So we get the chance to meet up right here, right now and talk is Jericho. And we're also fellow Canadians too. Yes, yes. I'm glad you're a Canadian. Yeah, it's funny because I never knew, uh, I, I always assumed that you couldn't speak English. Where do you live, Evan? Where did you live? I grew up in Winnipeg. Oh, Winnipeg? I wrestled in Winnipeg and um, uh, my home is Windsor, Ontario. Right. I mean, but I tell the people that my uh, that I'm from the Sudan, but now I say I'm from Cartoon Sudan, Windsor, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the gimmick of being from the Sudan uh, via Windsor, Ontario? Well, I went to Seattle, Washington. It was a promoter. George Cannon was bringing me in there to wrestle, like in Seattle. So whatever, whatever happened. I got up there, and they said, Abdullah, the guy who I'm fighting, they said, we want you to, uh, you know, go down. I said, you brought me all the way from Windsor, Ontario. I said, okay, no problem. I got there, and I started doing my stuff, and I kept doing it, boom, 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 and I pretty near caused a riot. 
So the promoter sent this guy down real fast and said, change the finish. Tell Abdullah, I mean, to beat the guy. So I got up to some, so the referee said, Abdullah, what do you do for a finish? I jumped up, I hit the rope, dropped my elbow, one, two, three, then I turned over and said, me, 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 me. And then, I mean, then I went into Vancouver because I was supposed to work Seattle, then Vancouver for Rod Fenton. Right. Rod Fenton got up there and said, oh, like I heard that you you called to ride and you put there a baby this and I guess. So I said, yes. He said, my partner, like Harry uh, um, Ayan, I think that's his name, Harry Ayan, he said, he said, you stole the show. So he says, you work like a butcher. So Rod Finn said, butcher is good. Now there's a lot of Indians in uh, Vancouver. We're going to give you a name, Abdullah the Butcher. And that's how I got the name. And the idea was that you couldn't speak English. Right. And so that kind of gave you more mystique and made you seem even more insane because you couldn't talk. Right. I couldn't talk, and every time that I went to a restaurant, I'd go to a restaurant, and I'd sit there, and, and they'd say to me, what would you like to have? i go, um, aid, 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 um, um, bacon, bacon, bacon. <laughs> they said, oh, you want eggs and bacon, right? So then he said, what do you want to drink? Cough, 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 cough. <laughs> oh, you want coffee? So they gave me the breakfast, and I, I ate it, but the people felt sorry for me, right? So <laughs> I'm beating, like, 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 with my fingers or my hands or whatever or fork, and the people did shake their hands and said, oh, we feel sorry for him. <laughs> but that's the way I did it. And I kept that gimmick going for a long time. Even when I went to the airport, they say to me, uh, um, yes, can I help you? I go, um, me, 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 um, um, maybe, um, Coggle, uh, Coggle, what's your name? I write my name down. And they say, oh, okay. Then after a while, when I went there to go get uh, another ticket, the guy would say, listen, your name is Larry Shreve. We know you can talk, but we're going to help you because you got this little thing to want, for, you know, for yourself, <laughs> wrestling, stuff like that. That's what happened. They would help you out knowing that you were playing the character of the butcher. Yeah. That's such a great story. We, there's a couple of the people here on the show too. I just want to introduce everybody. So we we got I don't know if they're if they're your students. We got Dubashi. We got Danny, the lovely lady sitting beside you. Got a whole posse here, uh, Butcher. Yeah, but Danny and and uh, they're great. They're really helping me help me big time. I need it. And this is Malika. I'm Abdullah's the Butcher's assistant, and I want to thank. Dubashi yeah. and Danny for the help that they give to Abdullah. They are such great friends of his, and we want to thank you for having Abdullah up on your show. We greatly appreciate you. Well, that's great. And, and like I said, it's an honor to have all you guys here. And Butcher, obviously uh, a guy with with your amount of experience and the legendary status you have. There's a million stories to tell. But uh, Dobashi, w- what's your favorite Butcher story of the experiences you've had with him so far? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for you and your producer for having us on because we really wanted to get Abdullah the Butcher's um, story out. And I, I just want to say we're grateful. And my Abdullah the Butcher story was when me and Chief Atakula Kula, we were going to do an angle at Abby's House of Ribs and Chinese food in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. So 
Abdullah wanted to pass the torch to me. So he was like, I said, what? And he goes, I want you to attack me. And it's on YouTube and I have it on TikTok at Lyrical Spit Debashi. So I'm wheeling him, you know, into his restaurant. Next thing you know, me and Abdullah's talking, salam alaikum. And, and uh, me and Chief, he's my world power take team partner. We used to feud all over, but now we have the world powers. We'll be back in action after, you know, my injury is taken care of. So Abdullah said, if I'm going to carry his name, I have to be as sadistic or even more than he is. I said, of course. Next thing you know, Chief comes and shakes his hand. And Abdullah was looking at him like they were friends. So that pissed me off. So I'm start. I punched him in his head. I I, I bit his forehead. (laughs) And Chief came in to make the save. I ran out into the parking lot and got into a car. You didn't run out. You walked out real slow because the people inside my restaurant, it was that they were all black. No. And the people were saying, well, you know, what's going on here? And then the, 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 that's when you started running. You started running out and you jumped into the car, but you left scars in my head and everything. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Well, let's back up. Tell I didn't run because Abdullah's still pissed when off. When I get my hip done, listen to me. I'm 81 years old. When I get my hip done, I'm going to come out and just wrestle you one more time, and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> you yeah. go, dude. Well, wait, okay, yeah. can I finish my story? Can I finish my story? I apologize, Chris Jericho. Abdullah sent me this cane. I'm going to give it back Tell to him. Truth. I feel but, like okay. we're in a Memphis studio okay, here. Okay, wait, Abdullah, I didn't run because there was black guys there. I ran because it was getting crazy. And this is what, what makes it funny. I come back to the restaurant and Abdullah told me he was in disarray. And I told him, hey, you wanted me to be as sadistic as you were. But he actually saved my life because those black guys was a posse in the hood. They actually took out guns and they were really going to go out and go out and shoot me. Mm-hmm. And Abdullah saved them. So I do thank him for that. But I'll tell you right now, this candy sent me. They wasn't going to kill you. They wasn't going to. They, they just wanted to beat the shit out of you. That's what they wanted to do. Okay, we but have to okay, get Abdullah. order here in the that's studio. We got to get order hey, here I'm, on the studio. Yeah. Hey, Chris, real quick. I feel like okay, I just want to say this. Much respect. Abdullah, I love you just like old Yeller. And when we get into the ring, your new hip, I'm going to hit it harder than Will Smith did to Chris Rock. And, and then I'll be giving you this and I will retire you. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's talk a little bit when you worked in Calgary for Stu Hart, because that's where I trained was with the Hart brothers at the very end of Stu's training years. Tell us about what it was like to go up there. Did you work with Stu directly? Were you working with his kids? Talk about your Calgary experience with Stampede Wrestling. No, uh, what happened when I went to, uh, to Calgary, Alberta, I got up there and I was coming in. I want to make sure that one of the hearts are fighting somebody in the ring, right? Mm. I came late and the, then he came and got me and said, well, um, well, the heart is in the ring now. So I walked in the room for real slow 
And I looked into the ring and I started staring at him. And he came and I, I went and hit him. And like another heart, you know, come running out real fast, right? Yeah. And I grabbed him and I ran through the door. He went down and all something like that. So anyways, Ed Whelan was the announcer. Yes. He tried to hit me with the microphone. He was remarkable when I was doing my stabbing and stuff. So I said, get the hell away from me, right? When it was all over, Stu Hart came into the the back room and uh, Ed Willen said, oh, like you whooped your son. After that, when he said that, Stu was trying to get his hands on me. He was walking over toward me. He said, listen to me, Ed. <laughs> he was reaching for me. He says, I would never put my hands on your kids. I says, but Stu, they knew what was going on. And Stu Hart said, Ed, Next time, do me a favor. Kill those bastards for me. <laughs> that was it. Stu was a great man. And then Stu only uh, uh, ran uh, his shows in the summertime. No, like in the wintertime. So I said, Stu, let's keep the territory open all year round. Stu said, well, Ab, do you think you can do it? I said, yeah, we can do it. And from that day on, Stu always stayed open, summer and and, and winter. Stu took me to, uh, brought me to his house. He said, Ab, uh, you see up there, uh, there's a, a chandelier. All those chandeliers, uh, you paid for them. You made me all this money and that stuff like that. And he said, you know, he says, I have two cats. I got a white cat and a black cat. But the white cat, he don't come in the house. The black cat, I let him stay in the house because of you, because you made me all this money. And that was it. <laughs> yep. So you worked for Stu quite a bit then over the years. Yes, yes. Many years I worked for Stu. So Stu said to me, um, Ab, they want you in Australia, but please tell me that you'll come back. And uh, I said, I'll be back. And that was it. Now, Australia was a, was a very popular territory in the 70s as well, wasn't it? It was popular, but the main part about it, it was down. And when I came in, I started bringing the people in. And that was it, because they never seen nothing like me. How do you mean, Butcher? Just because you made them believe so much? Or how, how had they never seen anything like you before? Because of my gimmick. They never seen nobody act like me, like uh, uh Beating my head up against the pole, taking chairs, hitting my head, taking bottles, hitting my head, and stuff like that. They never seen none of that. And then I went through the crowd all the time. I was always going through the crowd. There was other guys like, I mean, not actually nobody's like you, but but you had the believability factor that Brody had it. Tiger Jeet Singh had that in Japan, where people thought you guys were absolutely, completely insane, and they were scared of you. Because, see, guys like Brody, guys like the Sheik and uh, Tiger Jet Singh and stuff like that, they knew for a fact that these guys are maniacs. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And this was it. I wrestled Brody many times. We drew a lot of money together. Tiger Jet Singh drew money. Uh, the Sheik, we drew money. That, that was it. Because we knew how to work. We knew how to bring the people in. I mean, you never seen Abdul the Butcher throw a drop kick. You never see me take a bump. And that was it. No, you never did take a bump. You would just go in no. the ring and just 
brawl. That's it. So how how would you work out something like that with, let's say, a Brody? Because Brody was a big, tough, strong dude. And obviously, he knew how to make money too. But what would you guys say? We'll just go beat each other up until the finish? We knew how to work. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Knowing how to draw people, knowing how to bring the people back. A lot of people don't know how to bring the, And the only time that we done our stuff, if I got Brody going, bam, 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 I knew it was time for him, for him to come back. You got to know what you're doing. A lot of the boys don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I drop the elbow on a guy, if, if Brody threw, a, threw his foot up and hit the guy in the face, that was the finish. I mean, today you got how many finishes? 50 finishes? All of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's the key. Well, it was different back then, though, too, though, Butcher, because people believed, you know, now they know it's a show. Whereas back then, if they saw Abdul the Butcher show up, they were terrified that you would spike them with the fork. It's almost like you were some kind of a, a serial killer from a horror movie or something like that. Yeah, but sir, it's the same thing. You have to know how I am an entertainer. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to bring the people back. You keep bringing them back. A lot of people would say, wrestling is fake. But when you see Abdullah the Butcher, that's not fake. Mm-hmm. I see them eat light bulbs. I see them eat raw fish. I see them eat a chicken. I see them eat liver. I see them eat paper. You understand? Yeah. And then all the baby faces, you had to know how to make them. That the people said, well, this guy can beat him. And that's the key. When you traveled the world, because you were everywhere in Puerto Rico and Japan, and you mentioned Australia, was, was there ever any times when you actually had to get in shoots during your matches if someone didn't want to sell for you the way that Abdul the Butcher needed, needed them to sell? Look, if I went on TV with a job man, and, I, and the first thing I'd say to him, listen, I have to do this to get myself over. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And they say, okay. And I said, I'd go to the promoter and say, hey, this guy here don't want to do this. And that was it. At that time, they were paying those, those guys to do a job. What, $15? Mm-hmm. They were giving them $15 for TV. I mean, for me to go there and, and beat them up and stuff like that and, and throw them outside and do this and drop my elbow on them a couple of times. No. And that was it. How about in Japan? Did you have any issues there? Because sometimes those guys would, 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 you know, the middle level guys wouldn't want to play along with what you needed them to do or wouldn't want to sell the proper way. Sir, they all sold for me. Good. When I first went in there, in the Japan, the people didn't see nothing like me. You understand? I was going through the crowd. I was doing this here. I was doing The people were running from me. They ran from Abdullah the Butcher. They ran from Brody. They ran from uh, Tiger Jit Singh and the Sheik. We know how to work the people, and that's the name of the game. If the people are, are starting to come towards you, then the people know that, you, that you're nothing. But if you keep going towards them, going, ah, 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 they're going to get the hell out of there. <laughs> and Mrs. Baba, for many years, was scared to death of me. <laughs> That's it. Of course, Mrs. Baba was Baba's wife, and she kind of ran the company in a lot of ways. But that's good, though. I'm sure. I'm sure Mr. Baba loved the fact that Mrs. Baba was scared of you. That's right. Baba used to tell me, Butcher, my wife really believes you're crazy. <laughs> and I look at Baba and say, well, I am. <laughs> that was it. Who were some of your favorite guys to wrestle with in Japan, Butcher? 
Jumbo Chiruda, ah. Tenyu, Oki Katera, Giant Baba, and that was it. The Japanese guys. Let's talk a little about Tenru. Like I said, our mutual boss, you love you loved working with him. He was very hard-hitting. Once again, very believable in the ring. One of my favorite guys I ever wrestled in Japan, for sure, was Tenru as well. Yeah. When I worked with Tenru, he knew what, what he had to do, and I knew what I had to do to, to get him over. So when we come back, we're going to pack the house. How was traveling there for you at the time? Because you're such a big guy, and obviously it's much smaller there. Just being in Japan as, as a big man, was, was it harder because everything was such so smaller there? They took care of me. Mm. They took care of me to 100%. The Japanese people loved me. The mafia, they loved me and stuff like that. That was it. Because they said, butcher, butcher-san, butcher. And I used to call them shatro. That meant boss. And they would say, no, 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 butcher. You shatro. Did you learn Japanese at all when you were there? Yen. <laughs> yeah, that's all yen. I knew. Yen. That's the yen, most important yen. word. Sterinado, that's all I knew. Did you work for Inoki ever or just Baba? Yes, yes. Something came up one time. I, I went to Baba because Inoki tried to get me. And I said, Baba, they want to do this for me. They want to give me this. Baba says, Butcher, you take it. Hmm. But you take care of yourself over there. I told I told Bruce Brody, Brody, whatever you do. Don't come until I'm out of there. And then when I came back on Baba's side, Brody made the switch. Hmm. And they tried to mess Brody up. How? The soldier came in. They wanted him to do a job for um, Inoki. And he said, no, hmm. because that's the way they kill you. You know, from Baba's side. Right. Over there, you're a top guy over there. Now you come over here, they're going to beat you real fast. No. Was there any differences for you between Baba's company and Anoki's company? Were there differences? Listen, Baba treated me like a million dollars, but Anoki was just trying to use me hmm. to go over there and uh, do a job for him. And when they said, Abdullah, you, I said, no, I'm not, because I knew what they were doing. Well, and that was part of the mistake, too. You rarely did jobs. That's right. And uh, I wrestled Stan Hansen many times. Many times, mm. Stan would look at me and say, um, "Butcher, we tear the house down, me and you." We never said one, two, three, nothing, mm. because he had his little game and I had my little game, and we took care of each other. Brody was the same way; we took care of each other. The Sheik was the same way; we took care of each other. Tiger just sing the same thing. Mm. Then, then you had King Curtis. King Curtis would get up there. See, King Curtis was the one who started all that. Ah, 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 right? Right. <laughs> he would tell uh, Baba, whatever you want me to do for Butcher, I'll do it for him. You know, do a job or whatever. Danny, what's your, uh, what's your Butcher stories? What's your connection with Abdullah? Well, when I first met him, I was kind of uh, intimidated by him. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> well, he was, uh, you know, 450 pounds, and I was probably 150 pounds soaking wet. I was asked to... Um, ref his matches here in Ottawa. Mm. I said, sure, why not? And then the promoter asked, he goes, uh, you know, you want to bump, you want to bleed, you want to do anything? I said, I'll do whatever. When I first met Abby, he brought, he came in with Honest John, his uh, late uh, manager. 
and they sat at the uh, at a table. They have the uh, where they have the uh, merchandise and all that. So before everyone comes in, him and Honest John sit down. So I go up and introduce myself. He's about to eat. So I said, okay, well, you know, we'll talk later and all that. He goes, no, no. He goes, sit down and have a sandwich. Okay. So sat down. We talked. Yeah, and I was so intimidated by him that whatever he asked me that day, I did. If it was tie his boots, I would do it. Right. I was so like intimidated. He was just looking right. Then he asked me, he goes, "What are you doing tonight?" And I go, "I'm refing your match." He goes, "You're are you ready to be ended up for the hospital tonight?" And uh, in my mind, it's like, should I just walk away? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing each other more on the shows and all that in the future, we had a pretty good bond. Mm. He would explain so much about the business, what to do, what not to do, not to take bullshit from promoters. You know, he goes, those are the guys that will rip you off. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Butcher, another thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is, you know, working uh, in Canada in the in the Montreal promotion, in the Montreal territory, which was huge. And that's Gino Brito. And that, of course, the late Dino Bravo. Uh, was that towards the beginning of your career when you were working in Montreal? Because that was a very hot territory at the time as well. Well, what happened, Gino Brito is the one who, who trained me. Oh, okay. His father, Jack Britton, they, him and Burt Ruby had a gym in Detroit. They used to promote on uh, Detroit and stuff like that. A guy by the name of Martin Nito, he was in charge of the Windsor Arena. And I used to teach karate in there. So he said, there's a promoter named Jack Britton. He's coming because I told him about you. I got up there and I was in there doing my stuff. And uh, uh, Jack Britton came and he seen me. He said, oh, you're uh, such and such. He said, I'd like to take you to the gym over in Detroit. So I'll pick you up. He, he was driving a Cadillac in 1963 with the long fins, whatever. After he picked me up and took me to Detroit, I got into the ring um, with somebody else. And I started uh, working my little gimmick, blah, 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 whatever. And then his son came. And then I started working with him. And he said, Abdullah, you are not a wrestler. You are a slaughter, you slaughter people, you deal something like that. I'd be stabbing him, doing stuff with him, and he'd be selling and stuff like that. And Gino Brito is the one who taught me the business hmm. and not to trust nobody in the business. Because in, in those days, you only got $15 for TV. One day what happened, I got up there and I wrestled uh, five times on TV. So... I said, oh, boy, I'm going to get my big money now for the TV. So Bert Ruby called me into the thing. Abdullah, come here. Took me in the bathroom, and he checked all the toilets to make sure that there's nobody sitting in there, right? Okay, yeah. He had me my five checks. He says, listen, kiddo, I am giving you extra. Don't tell nobody. I said, oh, no, I won't. So when he walked out, I got up there. 
and I was flushing the toilet every time that I opened up the envelope because I had five envelopes. I looked, I said, oh, 70, $75, oh, 70, what? $15, I opened up the other one. $15, $15. They gave me for five TV, $75. So I went to Gino Brito, I said, Gino, what are they supposed to give you for uh, for TV? Gino said, Abdullah, if they like you and you're getting over, they give you $15. But if, if, if you do a job, they don't give you no $15. <laughs> but you, Bert Ruby, give you extra, a little extra, $5 extra, right? Because <laughs> I, I was supposed to get $10. <laughs> I said, oh, boy. And I had a janitorial service in winter, and I... To go into the business, I lost that. So I got up there and said, oh, shit, I don't know. I don't know. So Gino came back, and, and his father, or Gino said, Dad, you better give him some more money. And I think he gave me a few hundred dollars more, and that was it. But I've been always with uh, Gino Brito and uh, Jack Britton. Love those stories, man. $15 for TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, the land of Georgia was the same way. I mean, the guys only got paid like in Atlanta. I mean, uh, job guys, $15, $10. I got paid $20 for my first match. So I was lucky there, lucky then, lucky than the job guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your time in, uh, in, in WCW, Butcher. You, you, you were there for, for a while. One of the matches that stands out for me is the electric chair match, the famous electric chair match. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Where did that come from? And, and kind of give me your thoughts and memories about that. The way that came up, Dusty Rhodes was the promoter. I mean, not, I mean, the booker, excuse me, the booker. The booker, yeah. They knew for a fact that they couldn't pin me, one, two, three. They couldn't do that. So Dusty Rhodes came up to me and said, Listen, my brother, I got a hell of a, a hell of an angle. The electric chair. You will grab a guy and you will turn him around and put him in the electric chair, right? But he will switch and put you in the electric chair. But Cactus Jack was the one who pushed the button, you know, for the sparks to go off and stuff like that, right? So, so, I, so I said, oh, okay. So anyways, I had him. He switched me real fast. I went into the chair, and as soon as I went into the chair, Cactus Jack wouldn't hit the, the button, and I lit up. I was burning. Ah! Screaming. Ah! But now, Dusty thought what he is going to do, he's going to send down six or seven guys or eight guys down to carry me out. So as soon as that I seen them coming, right. I knew... The shaft, they'll, they'll carry me out. Then the people say, Abdullah really got beat because they had to carry him out. So when they tried to reach for the, to, to bring me out of the, out of the chair, I started beating down, bam, bam, bam. I started kicking them and doing this and doing that, throwing them off the, off the stage and all that stuff. But when it was all over, they said, damn, you didn't get beat. You beat 10 guys. You beat them up. <laughs> but they always try to work angles to shaft me some way well yeah and, and having you in an electric chair yeah with the sparks going off and, and the whole thing right and then the people got up there and a lot of people were calling and said did that really die 
<laughs> because because the way I done it, I done it so great, uh, good. It was great. Yeah, because everyone was checking on you, and then you end up just beating the hell out of everybody and yeah. escaping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have any talks with uh, with Vince McMahon to come into the WWF? Well, let me tell you something. I met I met his father. Yeah. And I liked the. Uh, I was in Japan, and he was in he was in Japan, and he said he said Abdullah. I hear a lot about you. Hawk Hogan wants to wrestle you in New York. Hmm. And you you'd only have to wrestle him. And uh, Hogan told me the same thing. Abdullah, you just be working with me. Well, anyways, when it came time up, uh, they said, um, they asked some of the guys, what do you think about Abdullah coming in, into the thing? Oh, he's going to use the fork. He's going to do that. I got. And that was it. Hmm. I never seen it. But he wanted to bring me in. The, those were two matches I always wondered about: was Hogan versus Brody and Hogan versus Abdul the Butcher. That would have been money on both accounts for sure. You know, me and uh, me and uh, what's his name, um, Hogan in Japan, we sold on like it's going out of style. Hmm. And he bled like a, he bled for me. He said, "Abdullah, I don't do this for nobody, but I'll do it for you." And he done it. Well, he knew he knew he liked having the monster heels to 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 work with. Of course, it was the Hogan mo back in that time frame. Because he was he was an entertainer. Yes, bring all the big guys out, bring all this, bring all that out. I'll do what I have to do for them, but I know what they're going to do for me, and I can keep coming back with them. You see? Yeah, absolutely. That's business. You had guys like uh, Maurice Bashan, Montreal. In real life, nobody could beat him. Right. He was a he was a tough man. What he wanted to do, he done it. And he was the first guy, I think, when they bought the giant in, they asked, uh, they says, you're going to wrestle uh, 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 Maurice Bashan. And I think the giant said, if you expect me to get over with, like, with that little guy? <laughs> and Maurice, they said, don't worry about it. Uh, Maurice Bashan went up there. He beat him, blah, 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 picked him up, slammed him, and then all of a sudden, what happened? He kicked out, went into the dressing room, and said um, that Maurice Bichon was waiting for him. Yeah. The giant walked up and says, how you feeling, boss? Thank you, boss. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Nobody could beat Maurice Bichon. He was tough. Was he the toughest? One of the toughest? Oh, he was, he was tough. Yep. Who else from that era was was the toughest butcher? Maurice Vachon. Who else? Vachon. Maurice Vachon, Hans Smith, and uh, um, one of the Rujos. Oh, the father, maybe Johnny. The father. Oh wow. Jacques Rujo was tough. You had so many tough uh, uh, wrestlers in Montreal. It was unbelievable. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's talk a little about your GoFundMe page that you have set up for some legal issues that you're having, and this has been going on for years. 
kind of talk about what's going on here and because this is why we're having you on we want to help with the gofundme and get some people to to be aware of what's going on with you well number one he said that that i cut him i did not and if i have to take it on a lie detector test yeah a lie detector test i would take that because i did not and the tape what danny lynch has where they said that i done this you can't see nothing i did not cut him at all so D- danny why don't you why don't you give a little bit of, of a description of, of of what's going on and what happened here and for those who don't know in 2007 apparently devin his name is devin devin nicholson devin nicholson okay uh blood hunter you probably know him by that apparently he claims that abby contracted devin uh with hepatitis c in a cage match down in i, I believe it was like cochran alberta or something like that but nobody knew about it because Devin said that he never felt him, cut him, or whatever, right? Apparently, it's all through video. When I first met Abby in 2008, and we were sitting in the locker room, there was me, Abby, Honest John, and Devin. And Devin said, do you want me or Abby to cut you today? And I'm like, okay. He goes, if I was you, I would let Abby cut you. He's been doing, doing it for 50 years. He goes, I, I trust him. He's got all his stuff clean and everything. I said, well, all right, you know, the guy's been doing it for years. I haven't heard any cases or nothing like that in the news or whatever. So you're getting ready to referee a match between the two of these guys. Yeah. Gotcha. Abby cut me many times. You know, I trust you and all that. So doing the thing with the fork and then right away and stuff like that. And then in 2000, as it went on, because I've refed many of their matches down here in Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, Quebec. I believe it was 2010. I was told that Devin wanted to talk to me. So I went to Devin's work and all that, and I had a talk with him, and he said, remember the contract WWE was going to give me? Yeah. Well, they rejected it because I got hepatitis C, and I got it from Abdullah. Hmm. I asked him, I said, how do you know you got it from Abdullah? Like, he's done bloody matches in Puerto Rico. He's done bloody matches down in Alberta, everywhere, Canada, U.S. Right. So I went to go get tested. And when the doctor gave me the results two weeks later, he told me, he said, for hepatitis C, it's not the same way as you would catch HIV or any disease through blood. Mm-hmm. Because for hepatitis C, you have to inject into your bloodstream. Gotcha. So he goes, a lot of crackheads, a lot of needle users. You know, he goes, does he do drugs? Does he, does he share needles with people in the gym or anything? And I said, I don't know if he shares needles, but, you know, I know he uses. So they told me, they said, the doctor said, with a blade, no matter where, how you're holding it, once you cut, if there's any blood on it, your the blood that's uh, that's coming out of a cut is spitting out everything, but nothing gets caught in, into it. So he said it's impossible that you would catch up to C from a blade. So once I told Devin I that's negative, and that's how me and him had a downfall. So I do believe that Abby did not give up to C to Devin because I would have caught it myself. Uh, all those guys from the '80s. Uh, in Gatineau, Quebec, Montreal, Puerto Rico, Japan. I mean, Hogan got cut by him. I'm pretty sure they would have all came forward. So, so Abby, once once this came out, he, he sued you for quite a lot of money, correct? Yes. The guy's got me tied up. The main part of part of this here, he found out that Abdullah the Butcher, he, he couldn't go after nobody else. But the main part of part is this. I wrestled. Everybody, all the top guys, 
and nobody has it. But the main part about it, he figured, oh, Abdullah's got this. How did he find out that uh, Abdullah the Butcher was worth um, two million and a half? Mm. No, he's he's suing you. He sued you for two point five million. Yeah, two point five right. million. But the thing is, let me say something. Abdullah went as far as the second grade. That's one of the things we wanted. Ab and I plan on doing is bring that attention, to awareness to people because he's only been up to the second grade. He doesn't really read and write. He doesn't know how to read and write. Correct. So what happened, I've been his assistant. I'm his living caretaker, and I'm his assistant. I handle all his business. And when I first moved in, he had a stack of mail. When I tell you, probably about a 100, maybe over 100 pieces of mail unopened. And I moved in because he was he would fall. He had a bad hip. Mm-hmm. And when I first moved in, he lived on, he lives on one side of the house. He would yell and scream because he was in excruciating pain and he couldn't live alone. So that's why I moved in to help him. So right. I would, he would ask me from time to time to open his mail and I would get a little irritated because I was only here because he couldn't live alone. But as I got to know him, he one day after about five years of me living here, he sat me down next to him in the kitchen and he says, No, the way it went, me and your son and you was in the restaurant. Oh, yeah. We were in a restaurant. And for, for years when we, all of us would go out to eat and I would ask him, what is it that you want, you know, on the menu? We, I give him the menu and each time he would say, I want what you want or whoever was with us, I want what you want. Uh-huh. And I said, no, you eat what you want. But he always said, no, just get what you want. I think it was his pride. He didn't want to tell me. And one day when we finally got home, he sat me down and he said, I'm literally with tears in his eyes. I don't read or write. I mean, he literally was crying. It, it took a lot for him to tell me this. So then things start coming to me. Why he did, he had all of this mail. And so when his sister called to tell him, you know, you lost the case, Abdullah. Abdullah was shocked. And she sent us a, a, a clipping of, of the news in Canada because she said it was all over the news. And we looked at it. Ab, let me see it. And uh, they said that he won. I guess he won the case, Devon, by default because Ab didn't answer, oh. I guess, the motions and all of the things. And they thinking that Ab was just ignoring them. But he doesn't have, he only went to second grade. So how is he going to answer? He's not even a lawyer. I've been uh, to second year college and I don't understand the legal stuff. So how would he understand? So we never opened his mail. Right. He doesn't even do that now. I'm here. I'm very protective of him. See, a lot of people, they know the wrestler, but they don't know the man. He's not what they say in he is. I don't know too much about the wrestling career, but when I begin one day, I went to open his mail and I seen all of these the mail that he received from, I guess, from the lawyers and stuff. I never opened them because it was none of my business. He he wasn't ignoring them. 
at the court, whatever the lawyers, attorneys, whatever they said, the, nobody was here to help him. So now that you've found that out, though, is there an appeal that you can do or something along those lines? We tried several times. They said that there's nothing. I don't know how true it is, but he needs attorney. Yeah. That's the problem. He needs an attorney. Once we were all served, I was even served. They're accusing me of something that I I know that is not true. Once they start, we received the papers, and maybe not too long after, he had the case domesticated and brought here to the United States. His wife is divorcing him, so he has two cases, and we found out later. Now listen, this is now. This man has carved out a career. I don't understand how he did it with his ed the education level. But the wife has taken his property. She's put her name on the property, forged his name, stating that he gave the property to her as a gift. Ab did not even know that he didn't own most of his properties until one day after he was served, he told me to, that I told him, let's go down to the deed place. And let's find out what's going on. Let me say something first. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, please. And why I did not go down to the to the deed place? Because if I went down there and said uh, about this house, I didn't know how to explain it. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm very serious. We appreciate you, Chris. We didn't want to rebuild this because Ab's been wanting to do write a book. And he worries me to death because a lot of his fans, I handle his social media. And it's overwhelming what I do for Ab because he didn't hire me here to do that. But he's like my brother and the dad. My dad passed away. He's all of that to me. I and owe this lady so much. It's unbelievable that I could never pay her. Yeah. But let me ask Abby a question here. How hard was it? Because I don't, obviously, nobody knew that you can't read or write. Well, that must have been so hard to do this career over 40 years traveling the world. How did you make that work? I'd always, like, if I was going to Chicago or someplace, I would always have, like, a, a, little, a little note, you know, saying, Chicago, Chicago. And then back then, you had to have like, your real name. And I, have Shreve, Larry Shreve, right? Mm -hmm. Chicago and stuff like that. But every time I went someplace, there's always somebody to pick me up, somebody to drive me someplace, somebody to do this thing. Everything was mostly covered for me. And then I used to tell the promoter, no driver's license or I don't have this in our, our car. And they'd say, don't worry about that. We'll take care of you. And the promoters are the ones who took care of me. Yeah, because even now he doesn't, Really, and I, I hate to do this because of his dignity as a man, but even right now, he drives, he loves to drive, and when he drives, somebody has to be in the car with him, and he's constantly saying, where do we go? I said, it's going to say Duluth or something, and he'll end up passing the exit. Yeah. These people really don't know the real true story of Abdullah. He has to have somebody in the car, unless it's like, around the area where he lives. When you were in WCW working in the States, did you have somebody that would take you around, one of the referees or something? Who was driving you back then? Somebody would take me, and, and I'd sit up in front, they would drive, and there'd be maybe a couple other guys in the car, whatever, and they would, you know, take me. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So the reason why you have this GoFundMe is that you can, so you're able to hire a lawyer to appeal this judgment from Devin Nicholson. That's what the GoFundMe is for. Yes. And uh, I mean, what happened? We tried to do it. Then uh, somebody called in and said that Abdul's doing what to tell him. They're saying he's worth all of these billions of dollars. They just don't know this. He's living from day to day. He's on a fixed income. He doesn't have money in the bank. His wife owns all of his property, except for this house that he lives in right now. Yeah. It's the both of their names. His wife came here from Japan and she didn't have anything. All of these, uh, the properties he owns is from the career he built. And he has nothing but this house, which is in both of their names. And they're- I they, don't even have a car. He doesn't even have a car. Gotcha. I don't have a car. I mean, the car when I, excuse me, the car when I had, um, I needed a, a transmission. I needed this here. I got the thing in my pocket where the people came and- He had it. I mean, the junk people. And they give me $260 for my car. And it's taken a lot for him to take it. I understand all of this because it's a lot of people think just because you are, you know, a legendary wrestler for 40 years that you have million dollars in the bank. And that's not the case. It's not by far. Let, let, let's just a few last questions here. Dobashi, you've been listening the whole time and obviously you're very close to, to Abby. What do you think about all of this? It saddens me. Like, I know the real Abby. And, you know, I've talked to Tommy Rich, Kevin Sullivan, I'm close with. And some people in Puerto Rico, how many people bled with them over the years? All of Abby's matches are pretty much bloody. Right. Not one person has caught anything from them. So I know a lot of the boys are thinking, you know, what's going on? And as for him losing the judgment is because he didn't show up. Because he didn't know. Exactly. And what really hurts me, just like when I we did that thing we told you about when I attacked Abdullah, even when I bit his head, people are like, how mean they were saying, oh, you're going to get hepatitis and, and start badgering Abdullah. And we had to like shut the comments off. I mean, he has a great heart. But the bottom line is that, that Abby needs help. And that's what we're here to do. That's what the GoFundMe is for. You've got fans all over the world who probably knew none of this uh, butcher. I certainly didn't know about it. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are, that are wanting to help you f- through this, especially with all the great matches and all of the years of entertainment that you've provided on a worldwide basis. I, I think people are going to be shocked to hear that she, that you don't know how to read and write. I think that's the first and foremost thing that's going to blow people's minds that you were able to do all that you did over the years. Can I add something else? Please. Um, another thing people don't know about Abby, he has a generous heart. 
And what hurts me when I hear about, you know, family members and people using them and they just take and take and take yes, from them. Absolutely. And that's how he's in this situation. Yeah. And let me say something, Chris, one other thing. That's how I met him because I feed the homeless and I go to, I used to go elderly homes and I met him on the streets when he was feeding the homeless. I was doing the same thing. And that's how we collaborated. And we started a nonprofit organization at that time called Flowers While They Live. And he's so generous. He gives of himself. I've never seen anybody like this. But it seems like now that he is in this situation, nobody's there to help him. And the only one that stuck is sticking by him is Dovashi and Danny. Okay. And you. And yes. of course, of course, me. Yes. Well, Abby, you got a, a good support system around you, but I think you're going to be very surprised by how many people are going to reach out to you from this. Thank you. I, I got one more question for you, Abdullah. Yes. If you could pick, I don't even know if this is even possible with all the thousands of matches that you've had. Is there a certain match that stands out for you as your favorite match that you've ever had? My favorite match what I ever had was with Terry Funk. Oh, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, and um, Hogan. Classics, all of them. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Abdullah. It's so great to finally meet you, you know, face to face, so to speak, and to meet all your guys and your team. And 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 we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you get some help for sure to take care of some of this because you are a legend all across the board in so many countries. Uh, and thanks to you for everything that you've given to the wrestling business. All right. Can I say one thing, please? Because I always say this. Absolutely. You only have one mother. Take care of her before she's gone. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it so much. And don't forget, Dobashi, when he gets his hip fixed, you guys got a match uh, locked up here. Yeah. Well, remember this. On the beast from the Middle East, the Yemeni maniac, the modern-day Sheikh Zaifullah, the butcher Dabashi, and I will keep Abdullah's legacy on. Thank you, Dabashi. We love and appreciate you. Danny, tell me, Mr. I. Love you, too. Thank you. Thank you, guys.